The Lord be with you. With your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory, Glory to you, o Lord. Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, do you know we recognize that this is the Gospel and the beginning of the Gospel and the rest. I think that the, um, we might hesitate ourselves to make that call and response, right? The Gospel of the Lord, praise you, Lord Jesus Christ, especially if we don't know like what has happened and then what is expected of us in wake of what has happened, right? But this, this is a great, the marvelous call of the apostles, the first followers of Jesus. And it really does echo down through the ages uh, to, to us today, right? To see that, in fact, Jesus is walking by and Jesus is, is summoning us, he's calling us into his service, into uh, the, the reign of, of God and, and, and the building of his kingdom. So this is all, I mean, fantastic stuff. I do want to say, I want to say two words. Perhaps I want to give you um, a little bit of homework, right? You got, you're not allergic to homework, right? And many of you send your kids to a classical school. I've heard that they, uh, anyway, we may or may not take homework that seriously, actually, because the studies demonstrate that until you get to a certain age, homework is ver- practically useless. So anyway, where am I? <laughs> I'm going to give you homework because you're, because you're full-grown human beings, okay? Um, and, and it is effective for you. I want you to read the book of the prophet Jonah in one sitting, okay? It won't take you, it won't take you that long. It's a very short book. And we have that reading from the, uh, the first reading today, a, a little look at, at Jonah. And I want, to, I want to say I want you to read that in its entirety. I'm going to give you a couple of things to, to watch out for, um, but... It's, it is a fantastic book. Um, it is okay, formed almost entirely uh, out of the, the call to repentance. And that's a, that's a big part of the, th- of the theme that we're trying to get into today in, in all of our readings. So one is this. Find Jonah who is doing his best to be oppositional to the call of God. Okay, this is what's happening. He's called, he's summoned by God to go and take his word of repentance to the Ninevites, and he does everything he can to not go. Now, that might be bad enough, but the reason why he doesn't want to go is that he thinks if he goes and preaches repentance to the Ninevites, they might actually do it. And he doesn't, that's what he doesn't want to have happen. He doesn't want them to repent and have God, who he knows is merciful, spare them the penalty of death. He wants the entire city to be wiped out. 
And so the story is like the unfolding of his anger, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's trying to run away. He's, he's, uh, he's not really living in, in accord with God's word, but he's like the reluctant prophet, right? He's, he's going even despite his best efforts to not go. And then when he goes, you heard in the reading, right? It's a, it's a three days walk through the city and he, he hardly gets one day into it and everybody's repenting. And it angers him, you know, like he's not, he's not happy about it. So anyway, he gets, you get to the end of the story and you start to see some of the, uh, uh, some of that play out, the relationship, his relationship with God, how God draws him into his mercy so that he's not simply then, you know, the reluctant prophet of God's mercy. He actually receives it himself. And then he, and then we have every right to believe that he becomes actually like a thoroughgoing, like a, a like full-bodied expression of God's mercy. And the reason why we, why, why we have every right to believe that is because we have the book itself, right? The, so we have the book because there's been something else going on there. It's not simply a, um, a story of repentance like on the inside as the story's unfolding, but it's a story of repentance like in the meta-narrative of the thing. We have that book because of Jonah's repentance, yeah? So this is a powerful, this is a powerful, powerful story. And of course, it resonates with me because I'm oppositional, okay? So that's, anyway... And feel free to talk to my mother about that. She, uh, <laughs> you know, she has all the experience of my being oppositional, so feel free. Um, yeah, so this is it. There's hope for you, okay? <laughs> there's all of us who are reluctant prophets, there's, there's hope for us too, okay? And it's the story of Jonah. I want to take, take our cue from St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, right? We heard um, the world in its, in its present form is passing away, right? The world as we know it is passing away. And then what we see in the gospel is why the world in its present form is passing away. We, see, we know that to be the case, and St. Paul can, can claim it with real assurance because he knows that there is a new world that is being brought to life. Say, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is the first piece, the first material piece of God's new creation, no longer subject to the rule of sin and death. Jesus then ascended and sending his spirit, right? So Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus enthroned in glory and breathing his spirit into his faithful followers is the king who is leading this movement by which God's new creation is being brought to bear in the world, right? God's kingdom is coming. His will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are the people who have been summoned to the task that Jesus is now equipping us for. And this is what, say, the whole narrative of the gospel is. Remember, the narrative of the gospel is how God becomes king as Jesus of Nazareth, right? Jesus is the Messiah. He's the anointed king of God. He is there to lead the renewal of Israel and by the renewal of Israel affect the restoration of the world. So he calls the people into the renewal movement at which he is the head, and that people then is supposed to renew the world, okay? Here we see the calling of the first followers of Jesus, the people who will be the, that, that first line in the advancing of God's movement to renew Israel and restore the world. Let's, let's look and see what they are doing and how they respond to the call of Christ when he comes and what they do when he calls. They're fishermen. They're plying their trade, right? So the first set, here it is, 
as he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother Andrew, casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Yeah, they're plying, they're plying their trade. Jesus said to them, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, just take, take a break there, right? What is he talking about? <laughs> you know, what is Jesus talking about? If you were a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, right, and, and he were to find you casting your nets into the sea, doing what you do and what you know well how to do, and you have this itinerant preacher, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what, you know, exactly how they would have perceived Jesus to be. He wasn't a fisherman, right? He perhaps wasn't as strong as they were, right? I, I just don't know, like, the physical, the physical reality of it, right, how it unfolds. But he's coming by and he says, come after me. I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, you wouldn't think that they would say, like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, okay. No, but we think, because we think, right, so, so long after, and this kind of sanitized setting in which we have these kind of discussions, it's like, yeah, sure, of course they're going to get up and follow him. He's, you know, it's, it's Jesus after all. And I think that's exactly right. It is Jesus after all. But it's like fishers of men. What in the world is that? What in the world are you talking about? But it, they get up, they leave their nets, right? They abandon their nets and they follow him. So what are they doing? When they abandon their nets... They're abandoning what? Their livelihood. They're abandoning the way that they feed themselves and their families. I mean, that's a serious thing, okay? When we talk about repentance, we, we we're going to tend to think of, okay, I get it. I'm not always doing the right thing. I need to leave that stuff behind and, and follow God and go his way and whatever. But there is also the discernment of, of goods and, say, relative goods. I mean, feeding our family. I'm not... We have to have a lot of conversations before you, before you abandon the trade by which you feed your family, okay? So let me just say, I'm, I'm going to put that out there because I'm, I refuse to be blamed for that, for that later on, okay? So before you abandon the trade by which you feed your family, let's have, some, let's have a number of discussions, okay? But they're abandoning the, okay, so this is, this is, say, goods, right? Relative goods, following Jesus and feeding the family. Well, of course, following Following Jesus preempts feeding your family in the sense that if ever, there's, if ever there is conflict between the two, the disciple follows Jesus. Now I would say there's probably only ever apparent conflict between those two things. But no matter what, the response of the disciples is our response as well. We follow Jesus. We prioritize him. We prioritize God and his purposes. And like I said, usually the conflict between goods and relative goods is, um, is only an, an appearance and has to be hashed out. But here we have to follow in faith. We've got to go when Jesus calls. When the call becomes clear, we have to go. And here, of course, it was clear for them. What else do we see here in the passage? It's not just that, because he finds, he finds another pair. And, of course, they're there in their boat uh, mending their nets. And we've heard that it's James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Okay, then he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat, along with the hired men. They followed him. They're leaving the family business behind, but they're also leaving their father behind. And you might think, like, as I say that, as I say that, as I make that clear, they left their father behind. You might think that's a terrible thing. And what I'm going to say to you is that in this context, it's worse than what you think. 
it's, it's worse than what you think. Because it was much more significant back then. To leave the father and to leave the trade, the family business, it was, it was probably in the family for hundreds of years. And they were going to abandon that? Yeah? The sirens were going off, you know? The sirens were going off then, you know? That's, this is a big deal. So, right, the, the trade, livelihood, family. No, the call of Christ trumps everything. The call of Christ trumps everything. Now I want to just bring that down to like some, I don't know, I don't know if it's practical detail. I don't know if it's going to come out my mouth that way, but I want to, get, I want to make it a little more practical and say we, we know the new world that God is bringing into existence, right? The, the story is God, say, taking possession of his kingdom, Jesus becoming king, right? God becoming king as Jesus of Nazareth. We know it's God affecting his renewal of Israel so as to affect the restoration of the world. This is, this is the story into which we are being summoned, okay? Now, part A is to say, Jesus is the king. Jesus is at the head of the renewal movement. Jesus has summoned you into the service of God. So Jesus, in, an, in a way that is not, say, mediated, comes to you now to have this personal relationship by which you have been called, summoned into God's service, equipped, sent, strengthened, nourished, and right? He's providing for you in the task that he set. So God wants to love the world through you. God wants to love the world through you. And Jesus has summoned you into that. He's, pre he's preparing you for it. He's prepared you for it. He's equipping you to do it and the rest. Okay, so and, and in, an, in a way that is not mediated by anything, he has this intensely personal relationship with you. Okay? It's not even like, okay, this is like unmediated relationship. He is breathing his spirit into you. When we dare approach the altar, he is feeding you with his body and blood. There, there are no like go-betweens in that forum, right? He's giving himself to you. Okay, so that's the first thing is that we're going to take our cues from him. We're going to take our direction from him. And we're going to be sustained and, and strengthened by him directly. Okay, so we have, to, we have to go to him. We have to knock on the door. We have to spend time in prayer. We have to be attentive to his word. We have to be docile to his command. We have to be obedient. Right? When he calls, we go. That's it, okay? So that's the, that's the first little part. The second little part is to say, again, that God wants to love the world through you. So he has called you to be renewed, which means that you find your proper place in God's plan as uh, following the truly human being, living lives that reflect our true humanity and God's goodness. So we were made to glorify God. We can praise him in all things through and with and in Christ Jesus. We can praise God in all things and we get to live in his service making his love effective, especially for the people that he entrusts to our care. So we're pouring ourselves out in his service. We are his good stewards, bringing proper, say, fruitfulness to the corner of creation that he's entrusting to our care. Okay, so we are called, again, to live by faith. We are living lives of great and costly love. 
we, we here, being summoned by Jesus, have been won over by his mercy. And it's ours then to win the world over with the mercy of God. So, and it's, and it's love for love, right? This is the relationship. The old world, to go back to St. Paul, right? The old world rumbles on, right? So on its own steam, it lives by pride and retribution, right? So there's a fragmenting of the relationship between God. We're made to praise him, but we're not because we're prideful. And we're made to love others and serve, serve them in the love of God. But we don't do it. We, didn't, we in fact, live like tit for tat. It's all, it's all um, anger and offense and retribution. Yeah? So the old world is rumbling on. But here comes the new world, the kingdom movement of Christ Jesus. And it runs on the life and power of heaven. So we're supposed to live by the life and power of heaven. So it, it, the kingdom of God moves, is animated by God's own life of love. The animating force and the, and the ordering principle of the world that God is bringing into existence is self-giving love. Okay? So then what, so our part to play in that whole thing, trusting as, as we have and as we are, trusting and following him in all things, we are to be animated, everything we think and say and do, right? Every endeavor we give ourselves over, every, over to, every human activity for us must be inspired and animated and sustained by the power of self-giving love, by the power of love. That is, again, the animating principle, the ordering principle of God's new world. The world as we know it is coming to an end. The new world will live on through the ages, right? The, the movement led by Jesus that is already being brought to life in our midst. The movement into which we've been called to serve God and, and God, to prioritize him and his purposes is the movement that will last for all ages. Right? The world that is to come, we're to, we are to anticipate the order of God's new world here and now. And we do it by living lives of great and costly love. And thank God we have all the, the strengths and, and resources, the sacraments, everything we, everything we need to now follow after Jesus who has called us, strengthened and equipped by him to pour ourselves out in his service.